everyone, and welcome back to Coleman Right Along, a podcast where we watch Dabney Coleman movies nine to five minutes at a time <laughs> and talk about them a lot. <laughs> no, I, I'm just kidding. Of course, this is Moving Right Along, a Muppet movie podcast brought to you by ToughPigs.com, where we are watching The Muppets Take Manhattan two minutes at a time. I'm your host, Anthony Strand. And I'm your other host, Ryan Rowe. And back with us once again is one of our favorite guests. Our he's hey. he's, he's kind of like our dad. Who are you, Dad? <laughs> Hi, I'm Danny Horn. Uh, I started Tough Pigs, and now uh, I write about Dark Shadows, and I love the Muppets, and I'm so glad to be here. And we are always happy to have you. Yeah. Yay. So today we are actually looking at minutes seven and eight. Uh, in these minutes, the Muppets arrive in New York, settle into their bus lockers, and go to their first audition, which is uh, with, that's right, the man himself, Dabney Coleman. <laughs> so it, it, it wasn't just a non sequitur. You are so yeah. excited to be talking about Dabney Coleman. I, I know. It's it's nice. He, it's fun to see you doing this. I love it. Here's the thing. I love that guy. I always have. And I think <laughs> this movie is why. Like, I know normally we normally we go chronologically here, but yeah. I couldn't I couldn't hold back. Just talking do it. Just do talking it, yeah. about my man Dabney Coleman. Tell um, me, tell me why he's great. Well, when he, in the eighties <laughs> and nineties, he starred in a series of sitcoms that all flopped. Uh, yes. Buffalo Bill, where he played a grumpy talk show host, which is mm-hmm. right, right before this. That was uh, created by Tom Padgett and Jay Tarsus, who co-wrote this movie. Oh yeah. So that's probably why he's in this. Right. Um, but he played a grumpy talk show host there. Then in 1987, the Slap Maxwell story, where he played a grumpy nice. sports writer. Yeah. And then in 1991, Drexel's class, where he played a grumpy teacher. <laughs> and finally, in 1994, Madman of the People, where he played a grumpy newspaper editor. Yes. And so it's like there's like this like 11 year period where Dabney Coleman was on TV. Like they just kept trying to make this like Dabney it, Coleman is a grumpy man sitcom happen. And it never yeah. worked. Yeah. And I, and, and I always think of him as being sort of perpetually, well, I mean, he's old now, but yeah, perpetually middle-aged. Like, like he, he was born middle-aged, I think. <laughs> right, for sure. Well, I think the first, like, the first time I've ever seen him is Towering Inferno. Okay. And he, he, that's 1974, so he's 42 years old. I there, actually don't remember him being in that. He's, he's one of the guests at the Towering Inferno. Okay. And, and, and I know I, that, like that when he did was he did like Buffalo Bill and then Slap Maxwell and neither of those shows did well at all. And I think probably got canceled. What before, like not that many episodes in, right? Like they were sort of, they were, they were famous at the time for like really not working. Buffalo Bill was really famous for being like the first American show where the lead character was completely unlikable. Yeah. It was critically beloved, right? Mm-hmm. And so and, people, and, people talked about that at the time a lot. So there were all these articles about how like America doesn't want to watch, you know, shows that have people who are, who are unlikable as the, the lead character. Um, and, you know, and then there was Seinfeld and then there was Breaking Bad and then there was like, <laughs> and now every good. show is unlikable character. It's basically, yeah, it's all just terrible. Right. Right. Although like, I remember even when I was in middle school, probably ni- 1998 or something, TV Guide did a list of the 50 greatest episodes or 100 greatest episodes of television, yeah. I think. And there was a Buffalo Bill episode on there. <laughs> so yeah. I remember re- reading about that at the time and just being like, boy, Buffalo Bill must be the greatest. 
And I actually bought the DVD when I was in college and watched all, what is it? I think there's 26 episodes or something. Yeah. I watched them all and it's pretty good. It's like a, it's, you know, it's kind of like a, what the Mary Tyler Moore show would be if Ted was the main character and, and like, more. yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, if, if, if like Ted was openly malicious instead of just being an idiot and, <laughs> and was the star, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. So um, just looking at him. Uh, so I, I haven't quite got to the part of this story yet where I understand why you are, why you really like him. I, I <laughs> that, hasn't, that hasn't kicked in yet at all. I, I, I mean, he, he, he kind of only does one thing, but he's really good at it, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and also, like, even as a kid, I was, like, a big fan of just character actors in general. Like, right. if there was, like, somebody who I saw mm-hmm. all the time, like, being memorable mm. in, in comedy especially, I would just be like, you know, I'm, 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 now I'm blanking on who some of the other examples are. But, like, right. Paul Phil Dilley. Hartman was... Yeah, Paul Dooley loved him, but like Phil Hartman was my favorite guy on SNL, right? Yeah. It wasn't it, it wasn't like Adam Sandler, like everybody else my age. It wasn't right? the you breakout know? star. It was right. The, it, it was like looking the, at the... the utility man. Yeah. You know. <laughs> so what what was he in that you really liked besides Mumstick Manhattan? Well, Mumstick Manhattan, and then I was watching Mad Men of the People when it was on. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and then my mom loves um, You've Got Mail. A movie that came out when I was 13. And I didn't love it, but I did love Dabney Coleman in it. <laughs> is he like right? he's, he's Tom, Tom Hanks' Hanks dad. dad? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. He's, he's Tom Hanks. And actually, John Randolph uh, from the Bob Newhart show, Emily's dad in the Bob Newhart show, is Dabney Coleman's dad in that. Right. Yeah. So, watch it was, that again. so it was like the only fun thing about that movie was all these old character actors. Right. You know, Gene Stapleton is in it. You know, she yeah. works for Meg Ryan. I like so the part all, where they get stuck in the elevator and everybody tries to jump at the same time to make the elevator go again. Yeah, that's pretty good. But yeah, so <laughs> so that was like all I cared about when I was 13 or 14 watching that movie was was who the, who the old familiar faces are. Yeah. I feel like Ryan and I are just on like a boat cruise right now. And we're just <laughs> but isn't going, that a great boat we're cruise? Just, we're just going down a river that is Anthony's love of death. Aren't you so glad you got tickets to this cruise? I am. I didn't realize. I'm, I'm, just, I'm surprised. I didn't realize that was what I bought a ticket for. But I, you're right, I am glad I'm here. Um, and I, I mean, I mentioned 9 to 5 up top, but that's a movie I always really loved. Too. Oh, 9 to 5, yeah. And he's, he's great in that. He's, yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. The, he's the sexist, egotistical boss that Yes. That our, our three heroes all get revenge on, and he's great at again. He's playing a jerk. You hate him, but it's mm-hmm. he's just really good at being someone that you is fun to watch that you hate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's doing that here again as Martin Price, a, a theatrical yeah. producer. But we'll get to him again later, I suppose. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Stay tuned, everyone. So we actually start out with a shot of the New York City skyline. But, uh-oh, it turns out to be a poster hanging up at the bus station. Just a poster. Um, Which, like, that's a pretty funny joke. But the last two movies have real arrivals in Los Angeles and in London. Yeah. Where, like, the Muppets are driving around looking at how pretty the city is. <laughs> you, and you know, here, you really you just see the bus station. You just see the bus station. Yeah. But what I love is, like... that they, is that they react the same way. Yes. Right, I think like, that's the joke, is that there? It, it seems like it's exciting, and then we as the audience realize that it's really mundane. And also, they're at the Port Authority bus terminal, which is one of the worst places in New York City. 
but it doesn't matter to the Muppets. They're so excited to be yeah, there. This is New York to them. This is their dream. Right. They're still like Fozzie says, look at everything here. <laughs> and Piggy, my, my absolute favorite yeah. is that Piggy says, look how gorgeous everything is. Yes. And she yeah. says that over a shot of bored passengers waiting for a bus. Like, yeah. There's like a guy sweeping. <laughs> and Yeah. Yeah. Kermit says something like, oh, yeah. And there's so many New Yorkers here. Like, yeah. It's yeah. Just, yeah. It's so good. Uh, can I actually, so I, I just, I thought I'd tell you a little bit about like my personal relationship with this movie. Cause that's a thing that I do. Uh, yeah. We, we usually do that at the end, but you know what? Let's do it now. We I'm moved a, Dabney a, Coleman up front. Let's move this up front. Move, too. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to do this. Uh, that like this movie is super weird uh, for me because there was three years of my life when I was not a Muppet fan and this is like smack in the middle of that. Whoa. Like I was, yeah, I was like the biggest Muppet fan in the world all through like the Muppet show, obviously um, 81, 82. And then I didn't. So like several things happened like 1982, 1983. I couldn't watch Fraggle Rock cause it was on HBO and I didn't have HBO. I did see the dark crystal and I did not like it. <laughs> yeah. And then I started high school and I figured out that I was gay and my parents who had been like telling me that I was going to outgrow Muppets eventually I figured like, okay, well now I guess that happened. Um, um, and so I like, it's that was like this period where I was really like questioning myself. And I like, I took all of my Muppet stuff and I like literally put it in the closet. Um, like just packed uh, it up. They all, that all went in the closet for three years. And so I was thinking about that today because that's so I didn't see Muppets Take Manhattan in the theaters in 1984. Like I didn't see it until I was in college, like years later. Um, and so I was trying to think of like, well, so when was that? And I looked at like when all the Muppet productions were, and I realized that I know exactly like what that period of my life was. That it started like right after Dark Crystal in 1982, because then I missed Rocky Mountain Holiday, which you guys just talked about in '83. I missed Muppet Take Manhattan. I missed the Muppet Babies. Like Muppet Babies came out, and that did not help me at all. That makes oh sense. yeah, no, sure. yeah. Like, like if, I'm, if this is my like high school like, person, yeah, I've outgrown Muppets. Yeah, that was not helpful. Uh, Fall of That Bird came out in '85, and I didn't see that. Um, but then I saw, almost by accident, I think, an episode of Little Muppet Monsters, like one of the three. Huh. That no aired. kidding. And it just like, and the Muppets were hardly in it. Right. You know, it's like in the in the. Um, in the theme song, like you see the electric mayhem and I just saw them and like, I got really homesick for like this person that I used to be. And so that got me. And then I just started. And so like everything from then on, like I'm back, I'm back in like Muppet fan. Um, So I can like date. I didn't realize this. So it's like, Oh, September, 1982 to September, 1985. Oh, those are the three years I didn't like myself. Oh, Um, I know. And so, but like, and everything worked out by the way, it was great. I'm fine. Uh, but the thing that's that's funny for me is I don't have like a nostalgic view of this film. Um, I saw it like when I was in college on video, uh, and you know, like the Muppet movie, I have this really super close connection because that fills this place in my childhood and Great Muppet Caper, and I don't feel that way about Muppets in Manhattan at uh, all. And uh, it's it's not as good. <laughs> Well, it's and I, and so yeah. I think that's like a weird thing because I like so many people like because it was the one that I think was most available on video, um, right? And also, it was, and it was on, on TV, TV a lot. Like people yeah. around my age, I think 
for a lot of people, the reason this is their favorite is just yeah. because they saw it the most because it was always on TV. If like you could turn on WGN on a Saturday yeah. in the yeah. early 90s, it was yeah. Muppets Take Manhattan. I mean, all the time. Yes. And so, yeah. And so for the like for people who were like who were kids then, then, yeah. And so it was very funny for me, like once, you know, once I like we started Tough Pigs and like got involved and met all you guys. Um you know, that I met, like, all of these people where Muppets Take Manhattan was their, like, on-ramp mm-hmm. to liking to liking the Muppets. And it was, like, the and it was always, like, the weird thing. I kind of, I actually never think about it. Like, I kind of hid the fact that, like, I didn't see it when I first came. Like, and I don't have that feeling about it. And I was just like, sure. okay, I guess that's a thing that everybody else, <laughs> that, like, that was everybody else's gateway drug. Um so I don't know. That's not a point to that story. I just wanted to tell it. No, it's that, great. That's really interesting. And I, I mean, I, it's, I think it's very good. I think it's very funny. I would never rank it higher than third among all the Muppet movies. So yeah. I would never rank it higher than fourth, actually, because I would also put you have Christmas, Christmas Carol, Carol ahead yeah. of it. But. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I changed my mind. Like, I think even between this and Christmas Carol and Muppets Must Wanted for my number three slot might, might change. From, but from time to time, I, I mean, I do like it quite a bit, but it, I think this joke in the bus station, which again is a funny mm-hmm. joke that the Muppets are excited about being yes. in the, the Port Authority bus terminal as excited as they are to see, you know, the tower of London yeah. or Hollywood and vine or whatever. But it also definitely makes this feel like a cheaper movie, right? Yeah. Like mm. we're, we're not out there like shooting all these, I mean, and, and there are exteriors. They do, they do later, that. They course. do it later. Yeah, they do it later, right? But yeah, no, but you're right. But they don't like they do it later, where like you see what he goes up on the Empire State Building, and like that's a yeah, huge right, right, thing, which is great. I think, but it doesn't. But, but that happens way late, right? And there's, I mean, the the main thing for me is that this movie is so focused on a very small group of characters mm. for most of it, as we will see. Um, right. That I love that. Scenes like this have more of the gang just kind of like hanging out, you know. I think that stuff's great. Yeah, but like when it's just like Kermit and Rizzo are the only two Muppets on screen, it's <laughs> right. it's a little strange later. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's them and Jenny. Yeah, right. But um, um so, but I love these two minutes. Like these two minutes, I'm glad that we're talking about this part. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, and something that I think is incredible that I I noticed now, like watching this clip, like over and over, um, is how unbelievably fast it is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, yeah. It, it just throws them right in there. Oh, right. Fuck. A lot happens very yeah. early on. And within, thought, within two minutes, we're from their arrival in New York to all the way inside the. And just the fact that we're only Martin seven Price. and a half minutes into the movie when they get to Martin Price's office. Yes. Right. Which took them like the whole movie in the Muppet movie. <laughs> yes. That's right. So That's I, right. So I looked at I looked at how the timing went, and it's unbelievable. Like it's they're in the bus station for twenty seconds, then they do the lockers. And that's 30 seconds. Then they say, hey, we're on Broadway. And we see, like, the newspaper. And they walk across the street. And that's 10 seconds. So that's one minute from, like, arrival to now we're in the thing. Hanging out with the Beverly Crusher secretary, 30 seconds. Go to see Dabney Coleman, 30 seconds. And yeah. so, like, that 30 seconds when they're sitting in the lockers is basically Happiness Hotel. Yeah, which is like right. at least at least four minutes in Great Muppet Caper now condensed down. It's like the same joke, basically condensed down to like thirty seconds, and then we go. Yeah, you're right. right. You're right. It, it's it it is that they've done all this stuff before, so they don't need to do it again. Yeah. It can be the Cliff Notes version, right? Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, so they Scooter says they need to dump their stuff and find some place to stay. Find a place to stay. And what I love about this is they go over to the bus lockers. They're all so excited to be staying in bus lockers. And Kermit, just this commanding delivery from Kermit. Scooter bust out the quarters. Like you mentioned that that Dr. Crusher is just about to show up. Yes. But Kermit delivers this line like he's Captain Picard. Like he delivers it like he's Patrick <laughs> yeah, Stewart, just right. being like, yeah. you know, you know, n- Ready number to one engage, yeah. right? But it's, it's Scooter bust out those quarters. <laughs> so then they all stay in the in the um, bus lockers. They're all exci- like one of the things I love about these two minutes is how much the Muppets just chatter excitedly about. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's, it's they're super high energy. It's to be in New York. They're chattering to be in the lockers, like when they get to the office, it's just everything. They're all just, wow. Oh, they're just so oh, happy to be there. So, it's so great, yeah. you know? Yeah, so I love, like, in that locker, like, it's actually, um, you know, this is probably something that, like, in this two minutes, I'm really enjoying it. But I think, like, once we get to that part later when, like, everybody's split up and it's mostly just, like, Kermit and Rizzo and the pizza guy, um, you know, you you think back to this locker and you're like, Wait, so we only saw them like having all like all of those Muppets having all of that fun for 30 seconds. Right, right. And, yeah. and then it was gone, and now we don't get that anymore. Um, but right. like, but for these 30 seconds, it's so cute to see them all. Right. They're all R- Rolf is hanging upside down. Yeah. Great. Yeah. And, and so here's something I wanted to bring up. Um, you know, we often people will ask like, how did they do that about things mm-hmm. like Muppets riding bicycles? But this, for some reason, like, nobody ever stops to think, how did they do this? Muppets all obviously being performed. You know, they're all very alive yeah. in these bus lockers. Um, how did they crowd all of those people back there? Yeah, there's an an, a, an item at the Museum of the Moving Image that actually they've had on display since before they had the, the permanent uh, Jim Henson mm-hmm. gallery that's there now. Um, but it's this little model of the bus lockers. And in the front, they have these little Muppet figures in all the lockers. And then if you go around to look at it from the back, there are these little figures of puppeteers. And it shows hmm. like where each puppeteer will be standing to stick their hand through the back of this locker set to reach their character. And then on the floor below them is the monitors for them to look at. So I guess they, they probably built this on a soundstage just to do this one shot of them. In and how and how many are cramped in back there? Like I actually forgot to count. Like how many Muppets are there? Yeah, I should have counted actually. Should and now and now the three now the, now the three of us are are like hmm. Should we actually take podcast time? Like so <laughs> that we're sitting it. here. We're, the answer is yes. We're gonna do it. All right. Kermit, Piggy, Fuzzy, Gonzo, Camilla, Scooter, and twelve. Ralph. All right. <laughs> Fine. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a lot. Like and like. Janice and Floyd, like, is that, that could be like two hands, like the same person with two hands? I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah. I, I wish I had a clearer photo. There's a, a picture on the Museum of the Moving Images website of this little model, but I don't have a clear picture of the front and the back. But yeah. Yeah. Like Gonzo, and I mean, Cam- does Camilla move in this shot? I'm not sure if yes. she does. So that yeah. might be, oh, she does a little bit, but that might be one person. Yeah. Probably. One thing that but, I noticed uh, is everybody's, it's just the head. So they look super animated, but everybody's hands are like stuck to exactly where they are, mm. which you totally don't notice unless you look at it like a ton of times. Like I just did preparing for this where like, yeah. you're like, Kermit's... Oh, right. Piggy's hands like are kind of like ones up, uh, you know, on like the, the 
shelf above her and then the others like kind of down by her side and just yeah kermit's there. hands are like velcroed or safety pin to his legs i think so yeah, yeah. and and like fozzy is like kind of holding the both of his hands in front of him and like leaning yes. out um yeah. yeah so all the hands stay there um but it's so cute and they totally do look like so alive yeah yeah and so Ralph you never question it man. yeah right and we get we get some cute jokes in there too janice offers to trade with anybody who has a jacuzzi which a jacuzzi. <laughs> you, whoa, is Richard Hunt here? <laughs> no, Janice is here. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, but yeah, so then, and so they... then this is and this, by the way, like this is them in poverty, which is the same. Like that's basically the Muppet story, definitely in Muppet movie Muppet Keeper and uh, Muppet Stig Manhattan. You start in like poverty and obscurity, and then over the course of the movie, you become famous. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they end up Muppet movie, like now they're famous movie stars, great Muppet caper. Now they've, they've cracked this big case. And so like, because it's a new movie, we, we can't start with all these people like being rich and famous. Um, so they go back to like obscurity. They have no money. They're staying in a bus locker. Like it's the rags to riches story, basically for like the third time with the same. They character. just graduated college. So yeah, they're just starting yeah. out. Yeah. Huh. That's, that is true. So, but then, see, even though they are in poverty, this is the key. Scooter <laughs> yes. confidently says, "We'll all be on Broadway tomorrow." Like tomorrow, they're not. They're not going to sell their show tomorrow. They are going to open their show <laughs> on Broadway tomorrow. Yes. He's being very and, optimistic, and everybody agrees. Like they're all just like, "Yeah, yay, yep. Broadway!" Uh, you know, yeah. it's great. They're very um, naive people. So then next morning, we assume... Well, hold next- on. What? I-, I have a couple more things about the bus lockers. Oh, okay. <laughs> right. Um, so in a f- perhaps if, if I could uh, predict the future, maybe in a future episode, you will hear uh, Anthony and myself speculating about how much it cost to rent a locker in Port Authority in the early 80s. Um, so That's I went back in time to this episode... And yes. um, I did some searching. I couldn't find a definitive answer of the time this movie was made, but I found a New York Times article from April 3rd, 1986 um, that mentioned cool. Port Authority was adding 300 new lockers and raising the price to $1 for 12 hours. Dang. So it was probably just slightly less than that. Like 75 cents. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, the actual purpose of the article was about the fact that Grand Central Terminal, the train station, was removing all of its lockers, either for uh, security concerns or to discourage homeless people from keeping all their stuff there. Um, but for some reason, uh, Port Authority decided to add 300 more lockers. So That's because they got yeah. Muppets staying in them. Yeah, they, know they, want, <laughs> they want more Muppets. They needed room for more Muppets, yeah. yeah well, um, the today, little... The Just Little the Muppet Monsters had recently been put out of work. <laughs> right. So they needed somewhere to yes, stay. Absolutely. Yes, uh, Tug, Molly, and Boo had to stay somewhere. <laughs> Tug, Molly, and Boo. Yes. Uh, but but today... Just thinking, just thinking about those three. Just living in a bus locker. Sure, they, they'd still be optimistic. They're, making, like, they're making TV shows in that true. bus locker still. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, right. yeah. Um, today, there are no lockers in Port Authority anymore. I think oh. that happened after 9-11 for security reasons. Oh, all right. Um, also in the March 7th, 1983 draft of the screenplay, it takes them a little longer to actually get to the point of the bus locker gag. First, they go to put the stuff in the lockers. 
And then uh, Camilla suggests that they actually stay in the lockers themselves. Gonzo says it reminds her of her chicken coop. Hmm. Um, and Piggy and Floyd protest, but then when Kermit asks how much money they have and they realize they don't have enough for a hotel, uh, Scooter says, uh, this is only a quarter, so they, they stay in the lockers. And it's, then it's way funnier when they're just all excited to do it. Yeah, just get yeah, to the way. point. And here's yeah. the the visual joke of them in the, the locker. And then there was a, a cameo, a celebrity cameo um, playing a policewoman who shows up and is like suspicious of all these characters staying mm. in these lockers. Um, she says there's no law against it, but there is a law against disturbing the peace. But they explain that they're only there temporarily, and she says. Well, just as long as you need, leave enough lockers for other people. And wow. then four or five other, like four or five humans who are described as bums poke their heads out of other lockers and say, ah, we don't <laughs> mind. It's fine. We're, we're good here. So that's, that's pretty good. Yeah. No, that sounds I, terrible. That sounds like the worst. <laughs> that sounds like, well, <laughs> but, but, it's, it's like, like, I think, and then you were just saying of like, the funny thing is just like the visual of them sitting in the lockers being happy and like, do we really need like five minutes around? No, you should get in and no, out of no, those right. as possible. Yeah. And, and like, here's the thing. As much as I would have liked to have seen, let's say, Time Stay Daily. <laughs> Time <laughs> Daily think, as a policewoman? I, I think Time Daily is much more the level of cameo that's in this movie. I think you're um, right. But uh, yeah, sure, whoever. Let's, let's, yeah. let's say it's... Liberace, yeah. Sure, it's Liberace <laughs> yeah. as a police woman. Uh, as a police nice. Would have been nice, but typecasting really. We we don't need it, right? Mm-hmm. Right, um, and then, but I think they may have done a version of the the gag with the other guys in the locker because um, when Frank Oz did a, an appearance at the Museum of the Moving Image a few years ago, he talked about shooting uh, a bit or a gag with two uh, little people actors in the lockers. <laughs> And one of the actors brought his family to the premiere, not knowing that he had been cut oh. from the film. Oh, buddy. And Frank felt so bad about it that he said ever since then, every time he directs a movie, he personally calls any actor who gets cut to let them know. So, And that's, and that's why Frank Oz directed Willow. <laughs> <laughs> right. To make up for it. Yeah, he felt so bad about. He felt so bad for yeah. He gave them. He gave them a starring role. It's funny because Willow is actually directed by TV's Richie Cunningham, so it wasn't it wasn't TV's Miss Piggy, but it was a seventies sitcom star. So that is that concludes my copious notes on the bus lockers. All right. Thank you. So then, yes, thank you, Ryan. Uh, Then the gang heads over to the (laughs) Paramount Building, fifteen oh one Broadway, where. Who has an office at the Paramount Building? That's right, Martin Price, theatrical producer Martin Price, uh, played by Dabney Coleman, as we already discussed. Mm-hmm. We, we can talk about his great work as the principal on Disney's Recess if you guys really want to. Oh, but we don't have to. <laughs> That's up to you. You're driving. <laughs> you're you're driving the Dabney Coleman boat. There'll be, there'll be there'll be more time for more Coleman next week. Is the thing? Right. Like, there will. He'll he'll I still be around. Works. I'll talk about Disney's Recess then. Okay. Um, but uh, the Paramount Building is a real building with actual Broadway offices in it. It is. It's it's right uh-huh. in Times Square, actually. If you could look like across the street from where the Muppets are approaching the building, that's right in Times Square with all the billboards and everything. Mm. And uh, there's a Bubba Gump shrimp uh, right next door to the right of this building today. And to the left <laughs> is uh, the Hard Rock Cafe. 
Oh, in the man. Old, in the old Paramount Theater, which, side note, unrelated to the Muppets, but I once went to a holiday party at the Hard Rock Cafe, and we got to, uh, like, hang out on the marquee, the old marquee of the Paramount Theater on this building. Oh, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, I, I once went to Bubba Gum Shrimp in the Mall of America, <laughs> and it was real bad. How is that Bubba Gum Shrimp? Is it huge? It's, it, it is huge, and it's like... They tell you trivia about the movie Forrest Gump of while they're waiting on you. It's very strange. Well, what else would you expect at Bubba but, Gump Shrimp? But why? No, like, okay. Let's not accept the premise of this restaurant at face value. And assume <laughs> that the entire experience of being in a Forrest Gump-themed restaurant in the year yeah. 2017 or whatever this was is very strange. <laughs> like, because, I, like, you know, I was... I was feeling a little weird about my like sad high school story. <laughs> like, was, that, was that story really interesting? I was kind of asking myself as I was trying desperately to wrap it up. And now like, I don't feel bad about that anymore. That is no longer the most boring story in this podcast. I just want to know, Anthony, <laughs> I just want to know if you raised you the so little much. flag on your table that says stop for a stop to get the waiter to come <laughs> to your table. Yes. Good. I did. All right. For the full so- experience. So um, for the full experience, exactly. Yeah. So, anyways, they go in. So go knock, into, knock, 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 knock. Go yeah, into so Martin cute. Price's office, and they meet his secretary, who, as you mentioned, Danny, is played by Cheryl McFadden. She's credited as Cheryl McFadden here. She's what is she, she was? What's that? She's Gates McFadden she? on on. Oh, Gates McFadden. Right, yeah. right. Do Do we know yeah. why she changed her billing? I don't know. I maybe K- Gates seems more like a future Star Trek type name. We should say like she's. <laughs> She's famous for playing the Doctor on Star Trek Next Generation, Dr. Yes. Beverly Crusher. Um, but she did choreography on this movie and Labyrinth. Hmm. She it's also did some sort of choreography-related work on The Dark Crystal and Dream Child, according to Muppet Wiki. Huh. Which, I guess, just like maybe helping the puppeteers with their movement with those mm. huge puppets. Yeah, isn't she... I mean, on on Labyrinth, her credit is something like choreography and puppet movement coordinator or something, right? That sounds right. Yeah, I mean there there are no there are no musical numbers in the Dark Crystal, so I guess it was just mostly that that kind of movement stuff, right? But yeah, so, like in in Labyrinth, whenever you know that scene where uh, Jennifer Connelly gets to dance with David Bowie, and mm-hmm. we all swoon because we, we wish that we yeah. were Jennifer Connelly, you know. Yes. Uh, she she choreographed that. <laughs> yes. TV's TV's Doctor Crusher choreographed that number, yeah. which is wild. yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, but so so did like, she, so did she have like other acting jobs? Because all I know her from is Next Generation. I'm sure she did other stuff. She, she was she was, was really fun. I like. I was her. Act, I was actually just thinking about like I, I said that to Ryan before yeah. before you joined the recording, Danny. Um, to me, it, and she has done other acting. Like she was on Mad About You a few times. Mm. She's been on some CBS procedurals as a guest just just lately. But um, it feels like she's been a lot less prolific than most of that cast. You know, you see, yeah. you see Marina Sirtis a lot on TV. You see Jonathan Frakes mm-hmm. or, or LeVar Burton all the time, you know? Yeah. But, but I feel like you don't see um, Gates McFadden yeah. all that often. But, but she's so, in this. She's in she's this. In and this. and it, like, it feels like a, a celebrity cameo because she's Dr. Crusher from Star Trek, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like post-dated. Yeah, right, right. Cameo. Yeah, yeah, but it's not. And, uh, she doesn't. She's she doesn't get a lot to do here. No, she she doesn't do anything yeah, funny. But like, yeah, there are a lot of celebrity cameos in Muppet movies who don't really get anything funny to do. 
Mm. You know, Elliot Gould is in two of them. He's in this one. He's not going to do anything funny. <laughs> you, you know, if you don't. Well, if, he has a joke <laughs> in this one. Well, or he he's like the straight man to Kermit. He's like the straight man to Kermit. Like when I was a yeah. kid, I didn't. That didn't register for me. I wasn't like that man was probably a movie star in the seventies. Like I was just no, like, oh, oh, that's a cop, you know. Yeah. Whereas like Gregory Hines, you feel like that's a a, a cameo because he's doing yeah, jokes yeah. or Joan Rivers, you know, or whatever. But Cheryl McFadden does not really have time to do anything because, as I said, this is like super uh, warp speed, if you will. Uh, <laughs> Like through all these plot points, like that's you know in because this is basically it's exactly the same thing as the Muppet movie, and in the Muppet movie, they have to like go on and on and on torturing Cloris Leachman. Right, Cloris Leachman gets. I didn't didn't look, but that's like yeah, it's like God, it must be like a minute and a half at least of like sitting in the waiting room, annoying the receptionist (laughs) before they they that that covered like pretty much an entire episode of this podcast yeah, yeah they all they all shake around getting their feathers all right, over like their just, nostrils yeah. and stuff yeah. just like shaking their feathers is like that's an entire scene and here they're just like boom and now we're gonna sing you a song and like and they talk super fast which i really mm-hmm. like a lot kind of knowing kind of knowing that they're very close to being thrown out of wherever they well, are yeah i like i like kermit's little we have a show called manhattan melodies it's gonna that he's gonna want to produce on broadway it's about a couple of kids who come to new york to get married and has a wonderful opening number that goes like this hit it guys but <laughs> they I'm launch into the opening number and then yeah which is yeah, great like that. but then dabney coleman or martin price hears them and is just like what's going on out there he calls her on the intercom what's going on out there she says oh someone's here with a musical or whatever <laughs> and she says send them in but then, when they go into his office, he's in the middle of a phone call and yeah. seems annoyed that they're in his office. Yeah, he seems suspicious. So, was oh. he already in the middle of a phone call when he said, send him in? No, he's I like, think He's like is, arguing um, about how much money he's going to make out of his show or whatever. That's, he's trying to impress them. He's like, as we, yeah, as uh, we I learn guess, later. I guess, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, it, I suppose, because he's uh, a criminal. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't produce yeah, shows yeah, on Broadway. Yeah, so he's, Exactly. So he's, he's sort of just like setting up, like, oh, I'm a very busy, I'm a very busy Broadway producer, and therefore, yeah, you're right. It's not even a real phone call. Yeah, and that's also right. why it's so easy for them to get in. Like, if if this was, if yes, this exactly. was it, if this was the end of their, right. you know, this was them achieving their dreams, this would be a much shorter movie. Yeah, they're not gonna, they're not gonna pull this at Bernard Crawford's office. Right. Yeah, tell you what. Yeah, so like in, uh, so in the Muppet movie, it like. It's got to be like forty-five seconds, like of them just walking, just like, like walking when they go into like or Orson Welles. Well. Yeah, yeah, it's like takes forever, like forever, long, yeah. like walking up, and then he turns around, and then they go like, oh, what? And it's like, don't you know? I, you know, we're all here with you, Kermit, and like it, it takes a while for him even to say like, "Hi, I'm Kermit the Frog." Um, and so I, right. I think I, I like the speed of this. I just think it's really funny that yeah, like yeah, they go in, it's like Broadway, and now like. We're gonna do the song, and then oh, let us into Debbie Coleman's office, and then the same thing of like, hey, and I think he does it even faster. Yeah, like, Kermit's just like so... we're we're gonna do a musical that has a great opening number, and it goes like this, and then they yeah. launch into it again. They do it again, yeah. and then <laughs> you you love that opening riff, all right? Well, I love that we hear the it's exact simple. same thing twice, yeah. right? Like Kermit doing his little intro. It's about two kids who come to New York, get married, and it goes like this, and then they they do the same little opening both times, <laughs> and both times they get interrupted, right? And there's, and that's, there's like, it's a lovely thing. Like this interrupted song, like I think they do that and they do it so quick and like make it so much fun because they're not going to do that song. 
right now. Right. And, but and, by the- and not, not really ever. Like they do a like slow. They yeah. Do like like the, like, yeah. They do like the two thousands movie trailer, like slow re- like right. remix version. At Way the at end. the end. Yeah. yeah. But they never do like but, the upbeat. And like, but this, I think that's to like, to make it, like live inside you and so that you remember it it's planted oh, here sure. so right. that you remember it and it's like the song that you like the really fun song that you didn't get to hear because they kept getting interrupted and then right. finally yeah. like yeah. that comes back and like yeah you hear like the slow version of it but that's also the moment that kermit is now back in the film that makes right. you happy and right. so like his kind of slow like it it feels really beautiful and that's i just think that's set up so well yeah, and you know that it really means something to the characters. Yeah, yeah, and it's a song that you've been dying to hear at this point. Yeah. Right, that's for sure. Yeah, to doing it. So I do love the song. Sure. I actually, yeah. Like I love, yeah. like you said, like I love this version of the song. I love this like, version the, of the song that we hear like the like, four bars. Five of. Second, yeah, yeah, the five yeah. second version of the song is the one yeah. that really should be on a hit break. Right. <laughs> they should. They should have put it on. And you know, is it even on the soundtrack? It's probably not. It can't be. Right. No, uh, it's not anything. It's not a thing. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, it doesn't exist. Um, but out of, that said, out of context, it would actually be really funny to just have like twice this little like four bar riff, <laughs> right? Um, so then that's where we end here is Dabney Coleman stopping them as they're just launching into the song, and we don't know what he's going to say yet because that's where we end. So, any other thoughts on these episodes uh, before we go, Danny? I'll start with you. Uh, yeah. How is it possible that this is the end of this podcast? The last, like, the last, we just did two of them where we did, like, what was it? Muppet Go to Movies and Fantastic Miss Piggy Show. And yes. those were each, like, at least 75 <laughs> minutes long. I think, well, those right? are, when I it's think, an hour long special, there's a lot more to talk about. A lot more to talk about, I, right? I'm, I'm just going to say, I feel a little cheated right now. Oh, no. And I feel what? like we should, we should be here for another hour <laughs> discussing Dabney Coleman. We will, we will have you. <laughs> Look, if you want to come on Coleman right along, all right? <laughs> I would love to. We're, yes, we're going to talk you. about we're going to talk thank about you. war games next, all right? I'd love to have Fantastic. you on. Um, all right, I will be there. All right, I'll be exactly there. Um, but no, of course we'll, we will have you back during this movie. Yes, if I know. You, if, I will if have you, you want to come later. back, then. yes, I always Any, do. At any time, you are you are welcome to show up unannounced. You know, great, if, awesome. If, I will if do if that. You want to? There um, will be a knock on the door. All right, and it'll be you hello, with your name, banjo. Hello. hello, my name is Danny, and I'm here to be on your podcast. I got a new song, and it goes like this. Then I'm, that's wait for that. Wait for that. Two days from now, that's going to be a, it's going to be a thrill. Can't wait. All right, I'm there. Um, all right, Ryan. Any anything else? Uh, two things uh, in the March seventh draft. It, it mentions that in Martin Price's office, he has a bunch of awards, which we do see here, but it specifically mentions that he has something that looks like an Oscar holding a smaller Oscar. And Dr. Teeth says, Hey, this dude must be important. Even his awards have awards. Oh, that's pretty cute. That's yeah. That's a cute joke. Um, And also I just remembered looking at this uh, scene of, of them doing their little song here again. Uh, Cause all you see all the Muppets, swaying back and forth as they start to do their little ooh. And I don't remember where exactly I heard this, but at some point in my Muppet fan travels, I heard that uh, to this day, anytime there's a shot like that where Muppets are swaying back and forth, they always start by going to the right. And the reason for that is that 
um, Jim Henson could never remember like doing it a different way. Like if, if a choreographer came in or if they were trying to stage a scene and someone said, okay, we're going to start on the left this time, he could never <laughs> yeah. keep it straight. So he just sort of decreed that Muppets would always go to the right when they start swaying back that and forth. Stupid. And that's still how they do it now. Look, consistency is good. Yes. And I wish I could remember <laughs> where I heard that, but if anyone can come but up that with is a really, source for that, please let us know. Despite the like, no applause that you just got. That actually is really interesting, and I'm glad you told that part. I think it is. Yeah, oh, yeah. I know. I, I actually really do agree. Yeah. All right. We just we just greeted it with like stony silence. Right. We're both just like <laughs> we're, we're all, both just like wrong. we're both we're just like we know stuff about Muppets too, Ryan. <laughs> um, you were just thinking about the next time that you have to sway back and forth. You're going to start on the yes. right. Let's start yeah, on the right. Perfect. That's that's true. All right. So that with with that, we will close the door on this episode. We will be back next week. Uh, in the meantime, you can always check out toughpigs.com on the internet, Facebook, Twitter. We're, we're all over the place. Our theme music is by Stacy Rosen. Our logo is by Morgan Davey. Thank you to both of them. You can follow Ryan on Twitter at me, Ryan Rowe. And Danny, remind us where we can find you online. Uh, you can find me on my Dark Shadows blog. It's called Dark Shadows Every Day, and it's about a 1960s vampire soap opera. Uh, and it is rambling to its very long conclusion coming up by the end of the year. What a thrill. Yeah. What a long journey you've been on. An <laughs> it really has, yeah. undertaking. It's, it's a thing that I've been doing for like six years. Yeah. Um, yeah which is, which is about as okay. long as you ran tough pigs. Yeah. Like, or is it longer now? Uh, I don't know. I'll have to go and look. I'll yeah. tell you next time I come back, I will tell you that story. Great. But man, what, what a body of work either way. <laughs> yes. All right. And th- thanks again. As always, thanks for being here, Danny. Listeners, if you're so inclined, if you're so inclined, give us a positive review on iTunes and tell all your friends to listen to Moving Right Along. We'll be back next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.